Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil here with episode 46 of the Tudor Podcast, bringing you everything you need to know to start, grow, and love your tutoring business. Today, I think we need to talk about scheduling, what I call the joy of scheduling, because it's actually a lot of fun to do it. For me, scheduling is one of the most important things that I have to take care of, not necessarily on a daily basis, but I have to pay fairly close attention to it particularly at the end of one week as the week turns over into the next. Now, I'll walk you through what I think I understand about scheduling, but bear in mind, everything you do is going to be a personal choice and really tailor it and fit it to what you do. Because I'm looking at the world very much from my own point of view, navigating off my own map, if you like. So when I talk about best ways to do scheduling, this is really the best ways to do scheduling in my experience, it's my way, what works for me. So you can take or leave whatever you want from it. If you use it all, I don't care if it helps you, brilliant. If not, leave it out. Or better still, send me your suggestions as to how I can do it better and let me know how you're doing it. Because as I keep on saying, I'm not here to preach, I'm here to learn and to share what I know. So let's get on with this. Let's get cracking. Why is scheduling important? That's probably the real reason I want to do this because I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday and his approach to scheduling is different to mine and he's frustrated. He's not making as as much money as he could. So this actually chimes with someone else's experience as well as my own plan to have this in the mix somewhere. So why do it in the first place? It might sound a daft question to ask because it would seem obvious. You need to know what you're doing. In other words, you're trying to impose order and structure order in chaos. If you have some degree of stability, you'll know what to expect on a daily basis and you won't be running around like a headless chicken. Trying to to mix my metaphors, herd the cats of your students. What this really means is that you're exercising control of your life, which is one of the main reasons that I got into working for myself in the first place. When I control the time and what goes on in the time, I'm making choices day to day as to how I want my life to proceed. It sounds really obvious, but I think you've got to make your working life work for you. Now, if it's too rigid... It's going to bore you silly. You might as well go and have a day job. But if it's chaotic, you're going to be out of order. You'll be deranged and stressed. We're always going to be somewhere on that continuous line between absolute sameness, boredom on the one side. And at the other end of the continuum, you've got absolute out of control chaos. Now, we need enough order to keep things sort of predictable so we have a sense of control but we also need to have the variety. So there's a little bit of flexibility built into what I do because one of the things that I want 
is to be able to pursue my interest, which means I might take a day off to go and do a business mastermind, a skull session with a mentor, get in the room with other experts in business and in teaching and music and try and download as many of their great ideas as I can and incorporate that into what I do. So that's what I want out of it. I want control, choice, flexibility. If you know your outcome, you can build everything so that it points in the direction of the outcome that you want. This is almost the mantra for success in life, I think, is know what you want and then work backwards from that outcome to where you are today, where you can start to take action to move you in that direction. So let's crack on. This is what works for me. My outcome. I've got multiple outcomes for what I want out of my teaching business. And they're broadly these. You need to make at least as much money as an accountant or a management consultant would. This is because that's what I used to do. I was in finance. Before that, I was in accountancy and management consultancy. So if it's not making at least as much money as that, then I'm actually out of pocket on the experiment. Now, working around that, it has to be fun. Whatever work I do, it's got to be fun. If it's not fun, I'm not doing it. This is my first golden rule. The next one is I want to be in a good environment. I don't want to be in a nasty place doing this. By being in a good environment, which for me is at home here, not out in the field in schools, doing peripatetic work or in students' homes, this allows me to control the interaction. I'm effectively anchoring them by bringing the students here all the time. It also controls my position as an expert because they're coming to me. The fact that they're making the effort to come to me must mean that it's worth that journey. If I were going to them, I think that lowers my status. What do you think? I think personally, and I believe this, that not doing home visits raises my perceived value. You may have different opinions, but I'll go with what I believe based on doing this for the last 20 years. Now, because I'm not traveling, I have significantly lower stress than I used to when I was dashing from school to school, covering the Perry circuits across four or five different locations every week. Now, obviously, as tutors, unless we're charging directly for travel and setup time, we're not making money while we're in the car. So every minute you're behind the wheel, burning up petrol and wearing your car out, is a minute you can't be face-to-face with clients generating revenue. So I wanted to structure something that was zero travel-based and had zero preparation, which if you're a traditional teacher who likes to make lesson plans, then... That might be a bit of a shock to you. Personally, I don't like everything to be rigid and planned out ahead. I like to respond to what the student's producing because the whole point of teaching one-to-one is we can 
shoot off down the rabbit hole of curiosity. I'm a very curious person. Some would say weird. If I can't pursue my curiosities, I'm going to get bored because I'll go looking for answers to unexpected questions. It allows me to be of much more use to my students than if I'm tightly focused on a rigid, prefabricated lesson plan. Do I do my prep? You bet your ass I do. But my core materials, the core training aids and teaching aids and pieces are prepared in advance. But I have a, a template curriculum that I'd like to cover and a choice of pre-prepared pieces that cover the necessary technical aspects of what I do. So that lowers my prep time. I keep everything here. I don't have to worry about getting to locations and being subject to a planning failure where I show up and I simply don't have the bits with me to do the job. I'm not tramping in and out of people's house, bugging up my equipment and damaging things. I'm not wearing the car out. I'm not burning gas. I'm not spending time in traffic. I'm quite efficient, quite streamlined. Now that lowers my overheads across the board. So I'm not spending money repairing the car so much. I'm not putting as much gas in the tank. I'm not having to buy food when I'm out if I'm starving and dashing between jobs. That makes me more profitable. It also means that when I'm here, in between lessons, if I've got a void that I can't fill, the downtime can be used because I can divert 10, 15 minutes. If it's punching a couple of purchase invoices, it's a quick run upstairs to the office and do that. I can do small jobs around the business in between. Now, this is a world away from what I used to do. And it's different to how my friend who I was speaking to yesterday does his work. So I offered him a couple of suggestions, which appeared to surprise the living daylights out of him. So here we go. This is what I used to do. And it's certainly what my friend is still doing. Uh, he's a retired school teacher who teaches sciences. He is an excellent tutor. He's a lovely bloke. He sells a little bit of online stuff. And he's quite happy that his hourly rate is £30 an hour. And that big silence is you waiting for me to say, but. £30 an hour sounds okay. But. That £30 an hour that he's charging for face to face with each student. Has associated time demands and resource demands on it. And they're chiefly this. He's typically spending 30 minutes to get to each student and 30 minutes back. Now that's just double the amount of time involved in generating £30. So his real cost per hour, so his real rate per hour, I should say, is now only £15 an hour. Now because he's not working from templated plans and appears to be doing the lesson plans de novo individually for every student, He's spending an hour on every student's lesson prep. So now he's spending three hours generating just £30. That's £10 an hour. That's not that much more than minimum wage. When he's driving to and from, he's also got to put petrol in the car, cover the wear and tear. And for me, the big one here is the amount of time he's spending 
Never mind that he's only charging out at £10 an hour in reality. It's the lost opportunities that he's forsaking. He's missing the opportunities of what could be done in that time. Now, you can't put a price on your time. It's the most important and most limited resource we all have. So, what I'd say to you, if you are operating that way, operating that way have a think about it. This is what I did because I wanted to be efficient. Remember, when I started teaching, I was working around renovating a derelict property and in more than doubling it in size, which is a massive project for someone who's not in the building game. I also was a partner in a music shop. I had a day job in finance and I was doing an open university degree. If you're wondering how you fit it all in, the answer is simple, is throw at your television. Um, and for myself, there's a little sidebar here, is don't spend hours watching Lie to Me on Amazon Prime on the computer. Anyway, here's what I currently do. All of my guitar teaching, scheduling and student records is in an Excel file folder kept in Dropbox so it can be synced across multiple devices. So it's on my phone, it's on my two laptops, and it's also available on the big computer in the recording studio, should I need it. Now, and I'd like it to be available across all devices so that no matter what, I can quickly respond to any inquiries. If I've got five minutes when I'm having a cup of coffee, or I'm waiting for someone at a meeting, I can flip it open. Maybe I can fill a void spot and generate some extra revenue. Now, I choose to work every day. So my master teaching schedule covers every single day of the week. The default slots open at eight in the morning and close at 10 at night. But I zone out the times when I want to work. I work every day, not because I need to, as, as you may know, I have a property portfolio, so I don't really need to work. It's just that I absolutely love teaching the guitar. Yes, it's well paid, but I'm not being driven by anything other than the love affair and the need to share my passion for the instrument with people. And I do that essentially to make it a leisure and entertainment activity. Let me ask you a question. Who gets paid more? Educators? or entertainers. Now you could perceive that there's an inversion between the value of the education and the value of the mere entertainer. But people want to be entertained, so for heaven's sake guys, make it fun and recognize that you, if you're really savvy, will parcel up the educational content in an entertaining format. I really believe this is vastly, vastly overlooked. Make it fun for your students. It'll be fun for you and you'll stop working. You'll just hang out with your friends and do what you do and get paid for it. Keep it fun, keep it entertaining. It then becomes for your student more of a leisure activity. I recognize this, oh, I suppose two years in, I recognize that what I was really doing was helping people to pursue their leisure activity, hobby, passion, whatever, of playing the guitar. 
I was working predominantly in the evenings because I had the day job. So over time, I think I've recognized that given that it's a leisure activity, I have to be prepared to work when most people want to play. Now, at the moment, I start off around about lunchtime, apart from two mornings in the week, Friday and Saturday, where I'll start off as early as 8 a.m. That suits me. I'm up early. I go to bed late. I sleep three and a half, maybe four and a half hours a day and occasionally have a nap. I'm a bit of a freak in that respect. Maybe I'm lucky. Maybe it's cursed. I don't know. I typically finish 10 in the evening. And wherever I can, I will book my sessions back to back. I work in 30 minute slots. Because if I have a no show for a 30 minute slot, it's less of a lost opportunity than if someone is a no show for a whole hour slot. I do operate a 24 hours notice policy where if someone cancels within 24 hours, then I'll either offer them any available free slots I've got, and I'm totally honest and transparent about this, or I will get paid for that cancellation. If you're not doing that, if it feels a bit brutal, trust me, it cuts down your no-shows, and you can actually sit at home having a nice espresso, enjoying the hours peace and quiet, planning, doing something else, reading maybe, and you're getting paid for that because someone couldn't get organised enough to let you know they weren't going to make the lesson. Now that allows me, by using 30 minute slots, to reduce the risk. If everything you do is dependent on one or two customers or one or two clients, you're exposed. The risks of one or two of your key players walking off is huge. If you have 50, 60 students in half an hour slots, you're much less exposed. Something catastrophic would have to happen for you to lose 50% of your income. Whereas if you've got, say, four students and two of them suddenly quit, you've got a big problem, a big hole in your cash flow. Now, by going down to the half an hour slot, that allows me to put together a sub £20 offering, which is more acceptable to some parents than others. It just gives me a lower price point product I can I can sell. The reason this is ethical is that as a guitar player, you don't get good sat in front of your, of your teacher. You get input and steerage from your teacher, which you then implement and make into a habit over the next week. You effectively groove that in. Then get the progress verified in the lesson. So I don't have any big issues that it's not enough time to get something done with my students. Now, with such a lot of students, remember, I will work up to 50 hours a week face-to-face with students. So that's 100 slots that I'm managing, plus my reserve pool of people who can't get a slot with me. The ad hocs, the guys who are in monthly, have to work around shift patterns, the guys who will just take a standby if it comes up. So everybody is set up with a default weekly or fortnightly slot. If I have fortnightlies, I will put all my fortnightlies into the same slots. 
So Friday night at seven o'clock, say that's a fortnightly slot. On week one, I might have, say, Stuart. Week two, I might have Nancy, and then it's Stuart's the week after. So they just leapfrog one over the other to minimize the amount of time I'm spending doing my schedule every week. The default means that it's assumed that everybody will show up with their lesson the next week. So my the weekly basis is largely taken care of, so I'm only handling the exceptions. On my Excel sheet, every day has a different color code. It just makes it easy to look at. Someone can't make their lesson and they're in with a default slot. I type the word no into the relevant box for that week and it changes color. So it automatically flags up that I have a avoid slot there just draws my eye to it when I glance at the schedule it's got oh you've got a slot here and I'll decide do I want to take a break there or do I want to use that slot for another student incidentally I will make my excel spreadsheet and scheduling software available to you just hit me up it's info at neilcamado.com and I'll send you a template that you can edit and build around to your own specifications. If you'd like me to do a webinar on how I schedule and run things, then send me an email and ask the question. I'm eager to share some of this stuff. I think it's good. It's been useful to me. It's made me efficient. So again, it's info at neilcamado.com. And just put the word webinar and tell me a little bit about you. So, Every student on the master schedule has a hyperlink from their name in the default time box that takes me to their individual record, which I update every session. And again, that's all saved to Dropbox, so wherever I am, I can pull my schedules and have a look. Now, the voids that show up within the schedule, these could be a problem or they could be an opportunity. I do have a reserve of ad hocs and infrequent students, and I'll simply text them an opportunity if someone's cancelling and can't make it. I also have a prospect list. So when I get an inquiry and someone's vacillating and they can't commit immediately, out of the blue, they'll get a text message from me telling them that I enjoyed speaking with them, but I have a student cancellation and I'm able to offer a free 30 minute session if they can make it tonight or tomorrow at the specified time. I'm giving away something of value. It's probably enough to swing the decision that they will choose to work with me. Which means that I now can add them directly into the hopper of students. Bear in mind, you're always recruiting, you're always prospecting, always marketing. Student churn for me is very, very low, which is fabulous. I have guys who, even when they know everything I know, love to come back. I've been asked on many times, don't sack me from the, the teaching process when I've told them that I don't have anything new to teach them. It's, it's very, very odd. Student churn is very low. Some of the guys have been with me 10 or more years they know everything I know 
but it's the highlight of their week to come for guitar lessons where we'll play and talk and jam and explore tunes, take them apart. Sometimes we'll go in the studio and we'll track things up and co-write and collaborate. For me, that's all part of the teaching process and I love it. Anyway, pull me back to the main drag here. Fill your voids up. They're opportunities, they're not problems. If it's a short cancellation, you're going to get paid anyway. So why not give it away and recruit an extra customer? Now, there's a little sidebar on my scheduling software here into which I enter the amount generated per session. At the moment, I'm just transitioning and testing different price points. So I have a variety of students operating at different lesson rates. They're all auto-summed at the bottom of the sheet. And that shows up in a little small figure at the top of the page that tells me what my revenue generation will be that week. And then there's a pro rata to show me what that would be if I worked 50 weeks a year. That's a powerful incentive. If it drops below a certain figure, then I know that something's badly out of line. And I'll be able to find it on the schedule and what the problem is, look for those voids, fill them up, and take some action to rectify it so they stay on track. Now, this sounds like a lot of hard work, but it really isn't because most things are taken care of by the schedule itself. It's all taken care of by default. I completely believe that as a tutor, if you work hard, you can make a bloody good living. If you're half asked about it and you kind of blunder along without challenging what you're doing, asking yourself, is this working for me? You can work very hard and make not so much money, sometimes not much money at all. So look at your schedule, fill it up. Remember, every single void is a drag on your hourly rate and on your profitability. Having that master schedule lets you work things for you. Fill those voids up, fill up all the areas and time zones on the schedule that you want to work. And when you want to do something for yourself, like for me, it's off to sit in a mastermind or a course or a seminar where I'm going to be expanding my knowledge. That goes on the schedule as soon as I know about it. It's highlighted and I move my students to fit that because the business has to work around me and what I want. Otherwise, I'm not really working for myself. I work bloody hard at what I do. I get paid very well for it and I do have a boatload of fun. I like to stay flexible. I do work very hard, but I will make it work for me. I think scheduling is pivotal. It's the absolute crux of what we do as teachers, as tutors, coaches, trainers. Our scheduling has to be right. It has to work for us and it has to be a reflection of who we are and what we believe and what we want. So have a look at how you're scheduling things. If it's working for you, and you'll know whether it is or not by looking at your bank balance and considering how much joy and happiness you have, how much stress you have, you'll know whether it's working for you.
if you do want my Excel master schedule in Evil Genius Wonder System, then just send me an email, ask for it, I'll gladly send it to you. It's something I wrote for me. It's easy to use, it's easy to edit. Take advantage. If you've got something better that you do, for instance, if you're using live online scheduling, which I'm not a fan of because I think it takes control away from me a little bit, then by all means, share your thoughts on that one. Maybe we could talk about it and I could get you on as an interviewee on the podcast. I'll leave these ideas open for everyone out there. Okay, that about wraps it up for today. Next week, I'm going to be going over what I think I understand and what is uncommon within the tutoring business. And it's having the mindset of an entrepreneur, of a business person. This actually ties in with a lot with what we've been talking about today. So join me for next week's episode where we'll be talking a little bit more about what we can do to start, grow and love our tutoring businesses. Hit me up. I am Neil Camido. You can find me at neilcamido.com. Email me info at neilcamido.com. And if you want my scheduling software, or you want to ask any questions, I will be very happy to hear from you. Send me your wisdom, your insights, and what you do that works for you. Because I'm here to learn from you guys as much as share what I understand, what I think I know. Till next time, have a fabulous, or perhaps even a scandalously marvellous, bejeweled and scintillating day. This is The Tutor Podcast. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media, and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.